Father, we give you praise for your love and for your name. Thank you for the truth of your word being revealed to us each time. Thank you because each time that this is revealed, the Holy Ghost works upon our hearts to be able to live the world so that we can walk in the truth of your word so that our life can be a testimony of every truth you've revealed. We give you all the praise. Lord, we dare ask that as we see your word, you will show us new planes in you that exist for us, new planes in which you intend to woo us into, that everything you've revealed in your word will be our experience per time in the name of Jesus, that on a daily basis we grow more and more like Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name of prayer. Amen. Alright, I want to share with you from the book of Hebrews basically. Although I'm going to be looking at some other issues as the Lord will help me look at them. But basically, I want to show you the person of Jesus from the book of Hebrew. I want us to have a look at our master again. And that is necessary because Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11 makes us realize the fact that one reason why Christ is given to the church is so that we can know him. Apostle Paul said, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to the sons of men. He gave some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists, some prophets and some teachers for the work of the ministry, for the effectiveness of the body of Christ. That we may come to the unity of faith and that we may come to know the son of god so in god's target for us he targets that in our relationship with him will we know him and jesus quite mentioned this well when he said in john chapter 17 verse 3 explaining eternal life he said this is eternal life that they may come to know you the only through god that is to say one of the things God had programmed in our work with him is our knowledge of his son. And the reason why we have got to know the son is because the revelation of the son to us is the revelation of how God wants us to live. In other words, the son itself is the revelation of God came to reveal the father to us. So as we come to know the son, we come to know the father. You know, it is Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13 that tells us that Christ is the visible image of the invincible God. Christ is the visible image of the invincible God. In other words, Christ is the manifestation of the Father. So anyone who seeks to know the Father must seek to know Christ. And the better we know Christ, the better we know the Father. And it's very necessary we come to know Christ because... Colossians chapter 1 also affirms the fact that in Christ consists all things and much more that in this Christ also contains all the fullness of God. So everything that I want as a believer is inscripted in Christ. So to know Christ is to know God's plans for my life, is to know his intentions for my life. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 19. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Verse 15 says, He is the image of the invincible God, the firstborn of creation. So Christ is the image of the invincible God. That is, is the manifestation of the invincible God. He is the one that shows us the invincible God. Apostle John captures it in a slightly different way in John chapter 1 verse 18. It says, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is at the bosom of the Father declare Him. The word declare simply means comes to reveal Him, comes to explain Him, comes to disclose Him. So as we pace in our knowing of God, in our quest after God, we have got to pay attention on Jesus. When Christ gave his last words to his disciples, he said, go out and make disciples of all nations. This is the emphasis. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And in particular, he said, teaching them to observe the things I have commanded you. So one of the assignments of the believers is to teach that which Christ had commanded. And then it is this that reveals of Christ. It's this that shows us who Christ is. Hallelujah. So we want to see from the book of Hebrews, the revelation of Jesus. And, you know, my focus primarily is Hebrews chapter 2. And as well, Hebrews chapter 7. Then Hebrews chapter 13, when Apostle Paul began to give instructions to how we ought to live our life having known God. And like I've always said, salvation is the beginning of a man a man's work with God. It's not all that a man needs to know about God. As a matter of fact, it is the beginning of a man's work with God. So when we come to God, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. We come on a vantage where we can know the father and i tell you the old essence of redemption is to know the father and not just to know him in knowing him we develop intimacy we develop fellowship of course there can be intimacy without fellowship fellowship talks about time spent with god in prayers in study in meditation so it is that fellowship that leads in leads to what we call intimacy. I mean, I strike it out here that how much time we spend with the Father determines how much of Him we carry, how much of Him we can manifest. So a believer's life can never, will never be greater than the amount of time he spends with the Father. And as a matter of fact, we are fashioned, we are created, we are called to to channel our attention of God, to channel our affection of God. And how we do channel our attention on Him is by staying with Him. In Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1, Apostle Paul says, If then we are risen with Christ, we have got to set our affection above where Christ is seated. Where Christ is seated. Then it says that when Christ who is our life is revealed, we shall be like him now the picture is that for us to actually burn for god for us to actually be all that is on the mind of the father 
our affection has to be set on things above. And to be set on things above is a figurative way of saying that we have got to keep our attention on the Father. And I have found out that there is no other way we can keep our attention on the Father but to keep our attention on His words. That's how we can keep our attention on the Father. Keeping our attention on His words. No other way. Alright, now, I want us to see from the books of Hebrews the possibility of an intimate walk with the eternal one. The possibility of a walk with the internal walk. With the internal one. A possibility of a walk with the Father. Hallelujah. Okay, let's see a few scriptures just to start with. I will read from Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 8 to 11. Hebrews and in this account, we are trying to see the works of Christ and how it is relevant to us, how it affected us. Hebrews chapter 2. Meanwhile, I wanted to say the other time that fellowship is very vital in what we become. And that without prayers, without the study of the word of God, there can be fellowship. Without meditation, without time to worship. Without time to, to shower our attention, our affection, our desire on the Father, there is no fellowship. In fact, how sensitive we are is determined by our practice of the presence. When I say the practice of the presence, I mean resorting into the presence of God consciously and deliberately. But then the goal of this devotion or this work with the father is to bring us to the point where we become one with him harmony harmony and you see you cannot imagine such dimension of god that will flow through you such dimension of power such dimension of authority and the glory of god and i mean all that god is that will find expressions through you when you strive towards harmony and harmony is a state of oneness with god a state of oneness and of course we must assume oneness with them because we came from him hallelujah so if our life will begin to make some sense then we have got to strive towards the state of oneness with the father okay now hebrews chapter 2 verse 8 to 14 i'm going to be reading from the gideon international version i've been starting with this version and i'd like to stay with it hallelujah from 8 to 11. putting everything in subject under his feet talking about jesus now in putting everything in subject to him he left nothing outside his control at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels namely jesus 
crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Please pay attention to the scriptures. Christ tasted death for you and he tasted it to an end. All that Christ did were not just symbolic, they are consequential. He tasted death. Okay, let's read further. He tasted, he tasted death for everyone. For it is fitting that if for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, mark the word, for whom and by whom all things exist, that is, Christ is the creator. In bringing many sons to glory. Mark the word, in bringing us to glory. So all that Christ did is to bring us into all of God. And all of God is the fullness of God. It's the totality of God. It's everything the Father is. It is all the goodness of God. All the mercies of God. All the kindness of God. All God's goodwill for mankind. Okay, look at that Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, like I showed the other time. Let me just quickly come up with a principle there so that you understand what is the goal of God when the scripture says Christ tasted death for us to bring us into the glory of God. Hallelujah. God is very specific in his dealings with the body and of course with every nation of the earth and with every individual that had found itself in that nation that is Acts chapter 17 every nation all individual god is specific in his dealings all right now let's see colossians chapter 15 and chapter 19 respectively he is that is jesus is the image image means is the picture is in the order of the invincible god the first man of all creation never you forget that when the first man was made that was adam in which the whole of humanity was represented he was made in the image of God, that is in the picture of God. Such that when you come into the presence of Adam, there is nothing you think about but God. You know, Christ said it this way. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when the scripture speaks about the image of God, it speaks about a creature whose life is a pointer to the father i don't know whether you get that such that you, you know it's, it's just like when a child so much look like his father such that each time you walk into his presence or you bump into him or you come across him what you recollect is his father maybe uh let's assume his father has traveled abroad or the father is late but the guy so looks so much like the father that when you walk into his presence, what comes to your mind is the father. 
and now let's say that beyond resemblance he shares certain obvious traits with the father maybe he tones like this father behaves like this father he talks like his father you know that what you see he is the image of the father you know that what you are saying that is the replica so when we pick that word image imagedo in the uh, in the hebrew word we we are speaking of so many things about god we're talking about the picture of god we're talking about the essence of god we're talking about the capacity of god we're talking about the the order of god the frame of god But then, you know, the first creation was sabotage. Adam fell, lost all of those investments in him. But now we saw the second creation in Christ appeared still in the same image. So God knew what he was talking about. And when Moses said God made man in his own image, he knew what he was talking about. So the rightful frame of any man is that he is framed in the image of God. But this is not sufficient to let us know what actually that image is, except we inquire by way of investigation to know who this nature is and what should be the portrait, what is designed, how this image is configured to operate. You know, it's just like uh, a manufacturer that intends to manufacture a goods. When he conceives that product, he has a picture in mind. So we can say that the image suggests the picture, the objective, the goal that which is to be achieved. For instance, when the inventor of the mobile phone invented the mobile phone, they have a multifaceted objective in mind. That is, they, they intend that it will be a multi-purpose gadget. But primarily, the essence of the mobile phone is to make calls, to make connections. In fact, that was where it evolved from. The earlier phones were strictly configured or produced for that end. But as time goes by, other needs we we envisage, and this makes room for the um, the multi um, functionality of the mobile phones. So we see that man by himself is multi-dimensional, is dynamic in nature, but there is the core intention. And that is that it will be a replica of the maker. Now, Colossians chapter 1 is what we are still looking at. I want to look at what this image also suggests. Because here in Hebrews chapter 2, Apostle Paul made us realize that it is fitting for Christ to have tasted death for you. So that you can be brought into glory. So the death of Christ is a transport system in the spirit. To bring us to God. And that simply suggests that at a point, man was far away from his maker. So Christ did not just only reconcile us. Of course, the word reconcile itself suggests the fact that there is a rancor or a, a, a rift between God and his maker. So he became the scapegoat for you. But let's see what this image is and what this glory is. That is what I'm inquiring into. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It is the image, the picture, the fullness of God, of the invincible God. The fact is that God is invincible. 
and what apostle paul captures to be the invincibility of god is what christ called in john chapter 4 the spirit nature of god god is the spirit from whom every other thing shares his essence is the image of the invincible god the first bone of all creation now by the word first bone of all creation the scripture meant to show us that he exists with god from the beginning you know apostle john brought that uh, into light more clearly he said in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him the emphasis without him nothing was made that was made so before creation comes into place the only one that was in existence apart from god is the word and the word means the the expression of god so christ is the expression of the invincible god the first one of creation for time's sake let's jump now let's look at what this invincible god is like it's the personality of christ the image of christ but now look at verse 19 for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell so when god made adam in his image what god was doing is to put all of himself into adam which the writer in in hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 says or calls bringing into glory Never you forget Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All sinned and fall short of the glory. So what Adam shared with God was the glory of God. And the word glory is the Greek word doxa, which means everything that God is. The holistic capture of God, leaving nothing out. You know, it was in Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Moses told God, said, look, show me your glory. And chapter 19, God replied, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So the glory of God is all of God god's goodness all of god's kindness you know the other time i was meditating no on how god fed the israelites with manners then i began to reach a conclusion in my spirit how that what they called manna is what we call grace because actually they call that substance manna because they do not know how to place it and after all it came to them freely without pain and what we describe to be grace in the Greek lexicon is the word charis, which means free gift. So that which they called manna, which is a spiritual food to sustain them and to actually cater for their hunger was the manna. The food of angels. Okay? So the grace of God is all that God is by himself to all his creatures, manifested to us. For in him pleased, the Father... To put all of himself. All of himself. So when the scripture says God made man in his image. It simply means God made man to be a holistic capture of himself. A man through whom everything of God can be found. So that when a man looks at your life. Especially the new creature. Your life captures every dimension in God. You know, in a certain place in the in, in, in Acts of the Apostles, I think in Lystra also, Apostle Paul came there and they healed a man that was impotent. And when those guys saw them, they said, look, said, God had come down to us in the manner of men. Look at that description. God in the manner of men. That is what it means to be an image. 
God in the manner of men has come amongst us. That is, man possesses supernatural power, and that power is atoming him as though it is his latent deposit. I don't know whether you are following. Okay. So it was fitting, Hebrews. Now I'm back to Hebrews. I want to show you the scripture to establish the fact that the image is the fullness of God. So verse 10, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist is the creator of all things. That's the essence of that point. In bringing many sons to glory, mark the word many sons to glory, should make the founder, KJV says, the captain of their salvation. Perfect through suffering. Alright? So all that Christ suffered is suffered for an end. To make him first feet. Because it, no, I'm going to show you later in, in, in this chapter. It is very expedient that the Savior that must actually stand to deliver man from the grip of darkness must be in every way like his brethren. Every way like us. It takes to be humans to know what it means to be human. That's the idea. So everything God did or does, he does with an intention with the purpose. So none of the sacrifice of Jesus was a waste. His death, his burial, his resurrection. It was expedient he died. So he cannot escape it. It was not that God was not able to deliver him from the power of death. Of course, you know, he will not leave his soul in corruption because it is impossible for death to, 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 to have authority over him. But check it, he still had to die because this is a transport system. Okay. Verse 11. For he who sanctifies, now we are looking at the consequence of this. The first consequence is that by his death, he brought you into all of God. And I like the way Apostle Paul captured that in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, through faith in his name, we have drawn air by the blood. Bring made near by the blood of his cross. And he abolished the enmity contained in the law of commandment by his own body, which he consecrated. You know, in Hebrews, I think chapter 10 or chapter 9, the writer caused the veil, his body. So his body, his death, his burial, resurrection, we are indicative of consequences of certain effects that becomes legal grounds for us. Hallelujah. But look at verse 11. And so in Romans chapter 11, Apostle Paul says something similar. A little lump lumps the whole dough or leaving the whole flower. So what became of Christ became of me. You know, it was in Romans chapter chapter 5. Uh, Apostle Paul says that what happened to Jesus happened to me. Know you not that as men that are buried with Christ died with him, that as Christ was raised by the glory of the Father, we will walk in the newness of life. We have the same kind of life he has. That is mind-blowing. So there is a new life Christ came to introduce by his death. And this life is called the glory of God. All of God. 
So you are not in any way destitute or disadvantaged. I don't care what your background is. I don't care who your parents are. I don't know what you have resorted doing, okay? Maybe because of certain impact or contact you had in life, your life are turned the way they turn. You don't want it that way. But it seems the nation is not good enough. The economy is bad. You've not gone to school. You've not picked up a job. You are broke and all of those. It's because you have not actually stepped into God's plans for your life. And I tell you, if you continue this way, there is danger ahead of you. And finally, it will not only affect your life, it will affect your children. God is not that wicked. In fact, he's not wicked. He's a good God. Behold the goodness of God. Of course, and a severity for those who refuse to, to, to repent. But check verse 11, Hebrews 2, 11. For he who sanctifies, that talks about Christ. The word sanctify means to cleanse, to purify, to remove death. These are the effects. So the truth of the matter is that you have, if you have said a yes to Jesus, you are not who you used to be. And refuse to be who you used to be. Refuse to be held down by that situation as it held you down then. The point of the scriptures. And it's your reality. Hallelujah. He will sanctify and those who are sanctified, that is the believers. All have one source. I wish I can pick from the KGV. Maybe we'll see that in a moment. But Gideon translation says that we are all of one source. Oh, glory to God. I became one. I told you the goal is oneness. And that is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Bless God, we are his brothers. In Romans chapter 8, Apostle Paul calls us co heirs. In Galatians chapter, chapter 3, he calls us um, heirs with Abraham. But in chapter 4, verse 1, of course, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, he presses the fact that we should not just celebrate our heir, heirship or heirness, we have also got to press into growth. And you know, from there, I have come up with the realities that there are two dimensions in God or two points to which God is toasting our life. One, to give us his status that all that he is we are and secondly, aside the status we have got to grow in stature. So two realities in God. The status he bequeathed upon us without us doing nothing. We came into it as an inheritance. But there is the obligatory side, there is the exercise side, there is the side that requires or demands we do certain things. And this is how we upgrade or change levels and we grow up to him in stature. Hallelujah. You know, you can walk into the presence of a billionaire, but because of where you met him, or because of the way he dresses, you may not know he's a billionaire. By status, he's a billionaire. And maybe because maybe lately he had some um some challenges or he had been stressed, he's looking emaciated or he's not well dressed or he's looking rough because of the stress of the day, he may not actually appear. Or maybe perhaps you met him on site. He has the status. He may not look it. In fact, he may even have a skinny stature of physical. But check it is a billionaire. But actually, what will make you submit to him and actually come to recognize that fact is that he is able to demonstrate his status 
and then he has the stature and the stature there means the capacity to demonstrate that he has that which he claims he has hallelujah we have one source and it's not ashamed to call us brethren now let's move on to verse 14 to 18 okay now let's see what jesus christ did now the first thing i think the holy ghost is showing us is why jesus had to die was it not possible that he delivered us without him going through that and the scripture says that he tasted death not for himself it's not the compulsion he dies but he had to do it for us that's the first point Two, it is necessary to make that a transport system or the price that must be paid for our freedom. And the word is apolytical losses. And the word apolytical losses has two roots meaning apo and lutrosis. Apo means to take away, lutrosis means to pay a price. So it was a transport system. Alright? Now check verse 14. Since therefore the children, now this is the necessity of his death. Since therefore the children, now mark the way he, he described humanity's children. Share in flesh and blood. He himself is likewise, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. That through death, we are emphasizing the reason for Jesus' death. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil so by his death he death he blow on the devil that's amazing so his death did something he death he blow on the devil it discomfited him it disorganized him it 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 get all the power away from him. I don't just know how best to to say that, but I believe you are able to capture what I'm I'm, I'm saying. It 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 derobed him of his legal right over you. Through his death, he may destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Verse fifteen and deliver all those who through the fear of death we are subject to a lifelong slavery. So that's another essence. His death delivers from spiritual slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Now the offspring of Abraham here now narrows it down to the fact that those who are saved. No, no, let, let me show you Galatians chapter 3. I think that would uh, explain what apostle paul here mentions by the offspring of abraham galatians chapter 3 hallelujah glory to god verse 26 to 29 for in christ jesus you are all the sons of God through faith. Mark that. You are the sons of God through faith. As many of you as we are baptized into Christ are put on Christ. 
there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. So the scripture says, it is necessary for the Savior to taste death in order to bring many sons to glory. So Galatians chapter 3 is what I was showing you. Hallelujah. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ are put on Christ. Mark those words. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now mark the word we are all one. Alright. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Yes, according to promise. The emphasis, you know, what Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 2 is the fact that he gives help to the offspring of Abraham. And I'm trying to explain the fact that by the word offspring of Abraham, it speaks of those who have come into faith in Christ, who have received the works of Christ. He wasn't talking to everybody. So we know what he was talking about. Okay, now. Now, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. Now, what are we inquiring on? The necessity of Jesus' death. So, Jesus Christ did not die because all power was robbed God at a particular time. Maybe, you know, as though God was powerless and there was nothing he could do. You know, there are times that, you know, you want to do something, you are not just in the person of, I mean, you are not in, 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 in the right place of doing it. For instance, you can, be, you can be a judge or a lawyer. Meanwhile, if your son commits an incriminating act, there's nothing you can do. He has to face the law, right? Or maybe you are a doctor and, you know, maybe your wife um, is in forced into labor. She forced into labor. Or maybe your son is severely sick and, you know, you, another doctor had to, to operate or, you know, come to help. You know, you are a doctor. You know what she is going through. But you cannot stop her from going through that process or he going through that process as whatever be the case. So, in the same way, the scripture says here that Christ had to be like his brothers so it was not as though god was saying that hey i don't know what to do i'm confused i don't have the power it's the devil that wants you to die no he chose in fact apostle Paul made us realize in first corinthians also he said he said he said um christ um, I, I want to pick that scripture perfectly holy ghost can you help me okay it is acts chapter two apostle peter was preaching he said christ whom you killed by the determinate um, proposition of the council that him God had ordained to be crucified. Two things there. They crucified him but it was ordained by a preordained council. There was a way. There, there is a way KJV renders it. I wish I can pick it accurately like that. He was delivered by the pre-knowledge of God. A, 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 a sort of. By the predetermination of God. So this Jesus had to die in order to be made like his brethren in all things. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. 
to make propitiation now the word propitiation means to stand in place for the sins of the people for because he himself had suffered when tempted is able to help those who are being tempted now here we see that there is an explanation as to what the help of god means the help of god is that which he made christ to go through for your own ease hallelujah okay now let me show you hebrews chapter one because i'm going to mention it and i think it's necessary from verse three to to five i think that will capture it that a uh, few verses at least covers whatever i want to explain from chapter one to chapter five or seven long ago i'm reading from the Guido international version at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophet but in this like days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he made he created the word now mark the word he had spoken there is nothing god wants to do that he had not done you are the one to position yourself to be a partaker of that which he had done verse 3 who is this song we are talking about verse 3 he is the radiance of the glory of god the word radiance means to reflect to emit to transfer and i told you christ did not just only die he came to show us the father to show us his kingdom to show us his ways and to show us our life he didn't give us life and you know went back to heaven he explained the operations of this life and gave us um parameters i don't want to use the word parameters you know if i can find something more more, more, more plainer to use he gave us indicators i think that's better to know when the life of god is operating in a man and to know a man who had come into that life apostle john said whoever practices righteousness is born of him in other places whoever does not love his neighbor his brothers is not born of him so there are traits showing who had come into the father but look at it here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, It is the radiance of the glory of the Father and the exact imprint of his nature. That blows me off. Christ is the exact imprint of his nature. And that reminds me, John chapter 14. Christ told his disciples, He said, Look, I'm going to die. I'm going to be sacrificed. So they were troubled. They felt so sorrowful. They've known this man barely four years. And they have actually come to know that he's the son of God. John chapter 6. Peter said to whom shall we go for? We have come to know that you are Jesus, the son of God. And that you have the word of life. Matthew chapter 16. Whom do you say that I am? And he said you are Jesus, the son of, you are Christ, Christos, the son of the living God. Then Christ said, son, flesh and blood had not revealed this to you but my father in heaven so they have come to know certain truths of jesus christ one that is the savior two that is equal with the father three that is the promised messiah but then you know jesus is god incarnate jesus is the manifestation of the father 
the world became flesh and dwelt among us, and we be and we saw his glory, the glory of the glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father. But the point is that the scripture here says that Christ is not the second class father, he's not the younger brother of God, he's not the cousin of God. In fact, Apostle Paul placed him in the in, in, in the God class, he is the image of the invincible God through him, and for him, all things were made and in him contain all things and it pleases the father that in him all things should do in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 the scripture says that Christ is the fullness of God in the bodily form in his incarnation he is all of God and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power that is he makes you like himself resemblance But look at the translator here. The Gideon International says, Christ is the exact imprint. Now, imprint means the picture or the image or the illustration. Of his nature. And he opposed the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son today, I have begotten you? Or again, I will be with you a father, and he shall be with me a son. Now, the point is the fact that Christ is the exact imprint of of the father the one radiating the father so what are we driving towards one the reason for jesus death two the revelation of jesus the revelation of jesus look at hebrews chapter 10. we have to see all of these scriptures hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 29. This is the new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declare the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their mind. And he hearts, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgi- where there is forgiveness of this. There is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the cutting that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in all assurance of it, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Okay, let's stop there for time's sake. Now, you see that this red portion, Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 16, shows us the end of all that Christ did is to one make us assess the holiest of holy now if you read chapter 9 i think verse 2 you know when the writer apostle of course was showing us the compartment of the 
tabernacle of Moses, it showed us um, the fact that it has two compartments, the holy place, which is called the sanctuary, and the holiest of holy, where the Shekinah, I mean, the, the presence of God, the Shekinah, the presence, and the Kabod of God, both the Shekinah and the Kabod, the Shekinah is the presence, the Kabod is the glory, dwells. But now, he, he said that during that covenant, the place to the holiest had not been revealed. But now, by the death of Christ, the place to the holiest is revealed. And Christ had gone in there to stand before the Father for us. So, by the death of Jesus, we have access into the presence of the Father. In Ephesians chapter 2, Apostle Paul said, by his blood, we have access. And also here, by the blood, we have access. So, the possibility of an intimate walk with the Father is by the blood of Jesus. So, the blood of Jesus Christ performed multiple functions. But before I actually pick that further, I want to mention that the writer of the book of Hebrew reviewed Jesus in about nine ways. Number one is the radiance of God's glory. And as the radiance of God's glory, he showcases, he reflects the Father. John said, we saw his glory exactly as that of God. And aside the fact that this reveals Christ, it also shows what my life should be like. A reflection. Both in character, both in dignity, both in work, in every facet of my life. That's the first point. Two, he reveals him as the Son of God. And in John chapter 5, the word Son of God means one equal with God. So Christ is not the second God or the second class God. He's not another God. He is God incarnated who came to do for man that which the law could not do and by which man himself cannot be justified or by which himself or that which himself cannot do. That's what I want to say exactly. Three is revealed as the heir of all things. The heir of all things. Four is the creator of the world. Now, by the word heir of all things, it's not just the creator, he's also the owner of the world. And because he's the owner, we call him Lord. Number five is is revealed as the exact imprint of his nature. KJV calls it the expression of his person. The expression. Now, the word expression means the 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 outflow of his person, the showcase of his person, the revealing of his person. Number six. Jesus is also revealed in this book as the apostle of our faith. Now the word apostle is the Greek word apostolos and apostolos means a message with a specific, a, sorry, a messenger with a specific message. And of course in Zechariah chapter 10, if I'm not mistaken, the scripture calls him the message of the covenant, the messenger of the covenant. So he came to fulfill the place. And never you forget Hebrews chapter 1, long ago God spoke to the Father. Now he is speaking to us. He is the apostle Apollos, Apostolos, one who speaks the mind of the Father. So Jesus is everything to us. 
number seven is also revealed as our high priest one who appears in the presence of the father for us so when the scripture says that you are complete in him talks about the fact that his work is complete the totality of his work which makes jesus christ sufficient and never you forget that in those scriptures you see that apostle Paul keep irritating that it is fitting for him to die in order for him to qualify as a savior so that he can be a faithful a merciful high priest so christ did not just qualify as a savior because of the son of god he qualifies in that he made himself like his brethren and this account also is also revealed as the man this man jesus appeared for us so jesus was revealed as the high priest who offered himself for our sins he offered himself for our sins and entered into the presence of god for us and also gave us access to the holiest of holy jesus was also revealed superior to angels superior to moses superior to abram superior to aaron superior to Melchizedek. in fact in hebrews chapter 3 apostle paul reveals jesus to be the owner of his house meanwhile he calls moses the servant of the house let's see that scriptures it's very essential we do but now i'm going to read from the new kjv so that one i can locate it and two i can pick the exact uh, word that i read hallelujah okay let's read from verse three therefore holy brethren particular of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and the high priest of our faith of our confession so christ is revealed as the apostolos and the high priest one who is called to stand in gap for the people before god who is faithful to him who appointed him as moses was faithful in all his house moses was faithful in all his capital is in god's house so moses was not the owner of the house he was just a servant in the house now verse 3 for this one has been counted world worthy of more glory than moses in as much as he will build a house as more honor than the house for every house is built by someone but he who builds all this is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of the things which would be spoken afterwards and what would be spoken the gospel. Verses, but Christ as the son over his own house. Moses was a servant in the house. Christ is the son of the house. Whose house we are. So he is our Lord. He owns the house. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end, the point is that Christ is the house, and we are the uh, I mean, Christ is the owner of the house, and we are the house. And this Christ is superior, is counted more worthy of glory than Moses. And look, if Moses, Aaron, the angels, and even Melchizedek who had no father who had no mother who was the priest of god and the king of god and the king of salem the king of peace are not supreme to jesus but rather jesus is superior to them then every deity you know in your family shongo oya obatala omadua every and any deity you know christ is superior to them 
That's the point. It's superior. Maybe your father cursed you using a horn and calling the name of Shongo or Oya or Madua or whatever deity or god you know of. There is the superior deity that when you come to submit your life to he undo all that is spoken against you. Whoever has seen this of the devil and for this reason the son of man manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus in Hebrews chapter 2 was proven to be God incarnate. And he was the incarnate for our freedom. He offered himself once for our eternal freedom. But then we now saw the place of the blood of Jesus. That the blood of Jesus serves multiple purposes. It serves multiple purposes. By it we receive forgiveness of sin. By it the price was paid for our wrongs for our sins. And by it we assess the holiest of holy. And as a matter of fact, the climax of the account in Hebrews chapter 2 and chapter 10 is the fact that now we can stand in the presence of God. We can stand in the presence of God. No fears. And I want to understand that it is the custom of the apostles when they write to first explain the the, the the word of truth which is also called the gospel and they mention how it affected or impacted our lives and that is what was actually done for us in hebrews in chapter one chapter two down to chapter eight we saw the work of Christ as the high priest who appeared before God for us. And from chapter 10 down to chapter 13, we begin to see the effects of what was done. Hallelujah. So when the gospel is understood, the end of that understanding should provide and make us to present ourselves or come to the place in our life where we live rightly. Where we can walk in the ordinances of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Is it chapter 9 or chapter 10? Let's just check. Either of the two. Then we know where to go. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter, chapter 9. Verse 1. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and early sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the, the, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all which are the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod aboard it, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubims 
of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in details now we see that behind the veil is the glory of god where the cherub invade so we have come to the mount zion of god the city of god where there is an invasion of the presence and the glory of god but you know what i really want to pick from the scriptures is that word ordinances the first commandment had ordinances of divine service and the greek word for ordinances is the word dikeusumas and our dikeusumas means principles outlined for the operation of certain things so after salvation there are principles outlined there are laws and that was why in chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 the scripture says that now We have access into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus, number one. Number two, by a new living way. The emphasis which he consecrated, he designed it for us. So there is a designed life of the believer. A consecrated life. So if you don't walk in this order, you are a, you are, you are, you are a disadvantage. You are, you are malfunctioning. Dikeusumas, ordinances outlined for certain regulations or regularities so there's an end and then i will round off on this note I want to show some of the outline Paul made as a round of the whole book of Hebrews. He gave us 10 instructions. Hebrews chapter 13, that's where we are going to round off and that is how we are going to round off. Number one, he emphasized that brotherly love should continue. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. What is brotherly love? I don't even know. But I think I know what it is not. Brotherly love is not just mere feelings for a brother. It's been concerned about others. And taking as your own what is the applied. You know, I think the word of James Epps also explains this. He said, true and on the fire religion is to visit the widows and orphans in their dis- distresses. In other words, brotherly love means you come to a point that what, what a brother is feeling becomes of interest to you. And I don't think I need to explain that further. The scripture itself explains itself. Look at verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you also have in the body. So we saw three instructions here. One, let brotherly love continue. 
two love strangers three feel what others feel remember those who are in prison remember people in problems remember people in pains through an undefined religion is to visit the widows the orphans and to stay unspotted from the world what is brotherly love love amongst the brethren and that includes consigned commitment care for one another consigned commitment and care for one another so first instruction let brotherly love continue number two do not neglect hospitalities especially to strangers number three remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them because you are a human being so feel what others feel and it's very pathetic that these days we have this lackadaisical attitude when something happens to others and it's, it doesn't touch you you don't feel it that's bad number four then it says we have got to keep our marriages let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage be held in honor amongst all and the bed on the fight for god will judge sexual immorality and adultery so keep the sanity of your home your home is very important salvation is much more the first thing you have got to come in contact with is salvation but salvation should make you to be a love creature loving your brother loving strangers loving people in problem then you have got to preserve your home number five then we began to warn us against our attitude to money hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have for you have said i will never leave you nor forsake you so be content you know it is in timothy i think first timothy chapter chapter three also chapter six yes chapter six let, let's let me see it let's confirm it second timothy let's see second timothy and if it's not there we check the other scriptures hallelujah Glory be to God forever. Okay, first Timothy chapter six. Okay. Verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's read from verse five. And constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can be certain that nothing, that we can take nothing out of the world. But we have food and clothing. With this, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunk people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let's stop there. Now, the point I want to pick is the word contentment. It's one of the values a believer has to cultivate. You know, the Lord helped me two weeks ago. You know, I was somewhat depressed looking at the fact that, you know, a lot of things. 
But what fixed it for me is the revelation of one of the things God had put in place as a principle of living and as the principle of work. I don't want to care if your own issue is poverty, is lack of finances, the way out of it is to pick a job. Get something done, you'll start a business. Money is not God's established pathway to financial prosperity. It is work. Paul said, whoever does not work should not eat. He said, we work with our own hands. We labor night and this one will not be burdened over anyone. Then he says that anyone that is not working is a disorderly person. In fact, he actually equates laziness or choosing not to work to be living disorderly. So a man that does not have a job is a disordered person. But the point is contentment. Keep yourself free from the love of money. Now, the fifth instruction he gave to us is in verse 7, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their, of their way of life and imitate their faith. In other words, imitate your leaders, respect them, remember your leaders, extend your hospitality to them extend your good nature to them your good gesture to them let them share of your material things you know apostle paul said in another place that if we if we give you our early things and i mean i mean spiritual food is it something great if we benefit from your material things so remember your leaders those who spoke to you the word of god and leaders here is not talking about your political leaders it's not talking about your boss at work it's not bad if you have something to give to them but in particular those who teach you the word of god and of course that is your pastor or maybe your teacher in church or your ministers or your sunday school teacher those who spoke the word of god to you consider the outcome of the way of their way of life and imitate their faith so i am not just to give to my leader i am to also observe him imitate his way of life and imitate his faith in other words our leaders are exemplary and what we have got to imitate about them is written in the pastoral letters first timothy second timothy and then titus their way of life their dignity their honor their humility their ability to serve their ability to preserve their home or their homes but then it shows us what we have got to imitate about them. Their consistent life, which is consistent with Christ. Verse Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we are, we are imitating the consistency of the life of God in our leaders. Not their flaws. Not all leaders can be imitated. Those who are not rightly positioned in Christ. But if you see that your leader is really working with Christ, brother, imitate him. In fact, Apostle Paul will say, look, you've seen my manner of life. Imitate me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. As dear children be imitators of God. So we have to be imitators of good things. Imitators of God. Imitators of our leaders. Number 6. Then Apostle Paul wants us against diverse doctrines. He says verse 9. Hebrews 13 verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the earth to be strengthened by grace. The KJV says it is good for the art to be established by grace. 
nor by food which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of the animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. The fact is that not all spiritual food is meant for your consumption. Not all spiritual discourses are beneficial to you. Some are not in any ways. So you have got to actually position yourself and seek wholesome doctrine that accords to godliness. The teaching you should preoccupy yourself with are the teaching that makes to reflect all of God, His power, His nature, His life, His goodness, His spirit. There are some teachings that, you know, do not identify. Fables, genealogies, doctrinal facts that are not in any way contributing to our work with the Father. Right? So, number seven. You have got to imbibe the habit of praise. Look at verse 15. Hallelujah. Therefore, through him, let, let then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Let me read that again. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. So another value a believer must inculcate is the attitude of praise. Attitude of praise. Number eight. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have with others. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Believers must be giver. Must be givers. Believers must be givers. And I've told you that our work with God is not one thing. It is everything. Everything. It is everything. Our work with God is everything. It is everything. It is our giving. It is our prayers. It is our devotion. It is our everything. So giving is part of. Treatment of others is part of. Number nine, then it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. In verse seven, he told us to remember them. Remember, remembering them there talks about sharing with them of what we have, of our belongings. But aside giving to them what we have of our possession, we are also commanded to obey them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. Are those who we have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Your leaders do not regret over you. You have got to respect them. You have got to obey them. Because they will give account of you. They are representing you before the Lord. So you are accountable to them. 
And lastly, he says we should pray. Verse 18, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Verse 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd. That's another revelation of Jesus. He is the great shepherd. Of the sheep through the blood of eternal covenant. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Listen to that. That God will equip you, will give unto you everything you need. That you may be able to do his will. Walking in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So it is very clear what the Father is doing with us. Very, very clear. So what are the things we must keep our mind on? If you won't drift away. Because in Hebrews chapter 2, the scripture says that we have got to keep our attention on certain things so that we will not drift away. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from them. So if we don't, if we don't want to drift away, there are things we have got to keep attention on. There are things we must keep our attention on. So here, the apostle calls for the need of believers to be alert and awake to things they have learned and say that these things are necessary to be alert or to be awakened to them or to be awake to them so that we will not drift away. He said that our eyes must be on the things we have heard in the gospel if we want to drift away, if we will not lose focus or fall by the wayside. So the gospel does not just only say it preserves also. It satisfies and keeps the believers. So we cannot doubt the word of God that is revealed to us by the message of the gospel. And with divine confirmations from God. Giving us signs and wonders and giving us the Holy Ghost. So signs and wonders and the gift of the Holy Ghost are a way God will keep us out of doubt and help us fix, fix, uh, fix, fix our attention and trust on him. So we are warned against forgetfulness or neglect. In other words, we must keep going over the things we have heard in our heart consistently, repetitively. In other words, in our work with God, repetition is allowed. In our devotion, repetition is allowed. In our study life, repetition is allowed. So what are the things we must keep our mind on? Number one, the steadfastness of the word of God. Whatever we are hearing is consistent with God. Heaven and earth can pass away, but not the word of God. If the word spoken of angels can be steadfast. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. And in chapter, chapter 10, I think chapter 10. Yes, chapter 10, of course. Apostle Paul also warns against neglect or disobedience. That those who did not obey Moses died without mercy. 
and god said i'm going to shake the earth and the heaven once again so if you neglect the instructions of god to you in the gospel you will regret your life in fact you will, you will regret you exist and god will not be at fault so another thing you have got to pay attention to is the danger of neglect or familiarity Another thing you have got to pay attention to is that the world to come and the kingdom of God is not subject to angels. So do not let somebody sway you all by saying that an angel appears to him or he went to heaven and saw three angels and the angel says something that are not consistent with the scriptures. There is no revelation, personal revelations in dreams, in visions, in trances or in decisions or hunches that must negate or contradict the revelations of the scriptures. In fact, the reason why we believe in those realities is because the Bible has sent them. And they, may, they must not be contrary to what is revealed in scriptures. No angel can reveal anything greater than what the scriptures have said. We do not bow to angels. The scriptures say that he had not given the word to come to angels. So the word to come and the kingdom of God is not subject to angels but Christ. So Christ Jesus is not an angel. He's bigger than an angel. So do not worship an angel. Hallelujah. Do not pray with the names of angels. They are demonic practices. That Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 to 5 says that Christ has obtained a name by inheritance superior to the name of angels. Number four, another thing you have got to put in mind is that Christ was crowned with glory and honor. He is the glory of God. He has the honor of God. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9, the scripture says that he suffered and tasted death for you. This must keep being in your mind. That's the legal ground for whatever you bargain for. He tasted death for you. Therefore, you can't be sick. You can't die of accidents. You can't just die cheaply. You know, the devil has no access to your home. You have got to stand your ground. Prayerfully. Consistently. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 and 14 says that Christ is qualified to be our Savior because of his sufferings. He was made like us and is our brother. He is our senior brother. He is our elder and is not ashamed to identify with us. By his death, he brought us into all of God, into glory, into the fullness of God. Number 7. We have got to put in mind our oneness of Christ and Jesus members or membership in the Godhead. Jesus as, mem as a member of the Godhead. It has to be in your mind. Jesus is not an hero. He's not an activist. He's not a political leader. He's not just one, one, one icon in history. He is God in flesh. God incarnate. The exact imprint and revelation of the Father. And this is what we call also teaching. Also, you have got to put in mind that by his death, he destroyed the devil who had the power of death. And if you those and release those who through the fear of death were subject to the torment and the fear of death all through their lifetime. So Christ 
came to free us from the torment of death from the torment of the unknown he became flesh to be like us the more reason is qualified to be our savior aside the fact that he was sinless he is tempted and is able to aid those who are tempted he became flesh he became like one of us in temptation in moral weaknesses in human fretiness and fat of natural tendencies in order to free us from all human tendencies and make us to be partaker of all of God. You have got to bear in mind also that he is our merciful and faithful high priest. Merciful in the sense that he will not cast us out for whatever. Your sin should not make you leave him. Your sin should make you aggra- to, 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 to aggravate towards him. Faithfulness is that his work speaks for us consistently. He's our advocate. Another word uses the word intercessor. His word speaks for us. He's a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God and in making propitiation for our sins. So, no separations. The mystery that was hidden from ages has been revealed. We have the life of God, we have the name of God, we have the kingdom of God, we have everything that God with for us. And this is the gospel. God is intentional. God is deliberate in his dealings. And there's nothing we need that he had not given to us in Christ. He that does not spare his son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So we have all we need in Christ. And in him consists everything we need. Hallelujah. Can we bless God and say, Father, thank you for the provision of your Christ, for making us like yourself. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. We appreciate you for provisions. We glorify Daddy. 